While carefully studying the Ukraine war, how will the Chinese Communist Party military optimize its attack against Taiwan? And what should America do to help equip this frontline nation to defend against the biggest threat to America's existence? In the second part of our two-part interview, Colonel Grant Newsham and I talk about what the United States and its allies should do to break Taiwan out of isolation, and how Taiwan can better defend against the prospective attack from the Chinese Communist Party. Welcome back, Colonel. Well, thank you very much. Glad to be here again. So uh, yesterday we talked about the grand scale changes in the Western Pacific and the kind of the different power struggles and the potential uh, interest points in this region that's strategically very important to the United States. Uh, but of course, one relevant question is the question of Taiwan. The CCP has been studying in the Ukraine war, likely will optimize its attack against Taiwan. In your point of view, how do you think the PLA will do this? Well, I think the Chinese military and more importantly, the Chinese leadership, Xi Jinping et al., uh, they're going to recalculate based on what they've seen happen in Ukraine. Uh, I think that they had the same sort of optimistic or overly optimistic uh, expectations of what would happen in Ukraine that uh, Vladimir Putin had. Uh, specifically, they thought this was going to be a very quick fight, a very quick victory, maybe three, four days, very quick. There might be a little complaining from the, the, the democracies of the world, but nothing much. And there wouldn't really be any serious economic sanctions put on anybody. Uh, that, and everything would go back to normal. People, the, the free world would forget about what had happened to Ukraine. Uh, that obviously didn't happen. So the Chinese must be watching that very closely and considering, well, if it didn't work for Ukraine, what's going to happen if we expect the same thing to happen to Taiwan? Maybe not. So the Chinese military and the leadership, I think, will go back to the drawing board. I think they, they are still just as serious about trying to take Taiwan, to seize Taiwan. They haven't given up on that at all. Uh, but the actual way they go about it, I think they will look at what happened in Ukraine and try to address what looked like shortcomings in the Russian uh, method of operations. Uh, and that's what I would expect. Uh, the, the, the idea was that, you know, with the, the Russians thought, well, if you just hit Ukraine hard, if you can uh, get rid of the, the leadership and move some troops in, that it will just cause the whole thing to collapse. Uh, that didn't happen. And now there is real concern that maybe that if the Taiwanese fight, uh, maybe if Taiwan's leadership uh, does not surrender or run away, but rather sticks around and rallies people, rallies the public, rallies the military, well, maybe that's going to be a bigger problem than the Beijing expected. Uh, so they're going to be rethinking this whole thing. Uh, and I think it's probably going to delay, put their timelines uh, off a bit. Uh, but I would stress that the Chinese leadership is indeed serious when they say they are going to take Taiwan. And do you think there will be a change in the military, um, in a military perspective in terms of the strategies? For example, you know, would they lean heavier towards, um, you know, cutting off Taiwan's communication systems or um, any kind of changes in the operation uh, sphere that, that, you, that you see? from this point? I would expect so. I think particularly on the electronic end, I think there would be an effort to completely cut 
Taiwan off from the internet, for want of a better word, uh, to completely shut down their, their electronics, uh, to completely blockade the country. Uh, there would also be, uh, I think, an effort to uh, hit Taiwan much harder than the Russians hit Ukraine. Uh, and as they hit them, that was with particularly missiles, uh, airstrikes, etc. Even the Chinese Navy gets into the mix. Uh, the Chinese probably look at what the Russians did and they think, well, the Russians didn't do it hard enough. They weren't tough enough. Uh, so if we go after Taiwan, we're really going to hit them hard and we are going to try to uh, blockade them uh, as well. Um, and that is... I think part of the, the Chinese thinking. Additionally, they will try to sanctions proof themselves. So even if the Americans and the Europeans put sanctions on China, uh, that the, the Chinese will try to be able to ride that out and to say withstand it. Uh, so they're looking at, I think, looking at the, the Russian experience and saying, well, what would we need to do differently uh, in Taiwan? Uh, the Chinese also uh, really must be wondering um, whether or not their political warfare, their subversion efforts in Taiwan uh, have been all that effective because so much of, say, Taiwan's academia, um, even the political world, uh, the media, uh, has been subverted by China and Chinese money, uh, that China must be wondering if, you know, that, whether their expectations uh, that this fifth column would be really helpful in the event of an attack on Taiwan, uh, they must be wondering about that. So I would expect them to redouble their subversion efforts uh, as well. But they, the good thing is that if you're looking at it from Taiwan's perspective, from the U.S.'s perspective, that you can actually see and you can kind of figure out what the, the Chinese game is going to be, what their approach to attacking Taiwan based on Ukraine lessons learned. You can see what it's probably going to look like, which means you know how to uh, protect and prepare for it. And you also know how to um, cause the Chinese some problems uh, that will uh, make things difficult for them if they do go after Taiwan. Uh, so both sides learn from what has happened in Ukraine. It's not as if the Chinese are the only ones who see the, uh, sort of the things to be changed, the things to be improved. The Taiwanese can see it just as well. So can the Americans. For sure. And, you know, I want to go into exactly that question. So how can the United States help Taiwan develop uh, any of these military uh, capabilities, you know, from the civil military fusion, you know, asymmetric warfare um, or the, the multilayered defense that essentially that we're witnessing in, in Ukraine right now? Well, the first thing that the Americans could do and should do, in my opinion, that would really have some effect is to break Taiwan out of its 40 plus years of isolation. Uh, the, the Taiwanese military has had almost no connection with foreign militaries, including the Americans, for the last 40 plus years. As a result, it has not been able to develop the way that it needs to develop in terms of operational capabilities and know-how. And also there's a psychological aspect to this. Suppose you're, you're supposed to defend the country against this, really this powerful enemy, and your best friends, the Americans, don't even want to be seen in public with you. Uh, and you know, yes, there are some meetings which take place and some visits in both directions. But the key thing is the Americans still will not do joint training, joint exercises with the Taiwan military. So the Taiwan military is like this baseball team uh, that never gets to actually play a game. Uh, 
Uh, and you can see that it has, so it has not developed the way that it needs to do. If America is serious and they want to really help Taiwan, the first thing you do is break that isolation. And if you do that, you will find that the Chinese military's capabilities improve, uh, that it's psychologically it's beneficial. And you also see that the Taiwanese citizenry, the public, and the government will also uh, get sort of energized by the fact that the Americans are uh, willing to incur some criticism from the Chinese, from the communist Chinese, uh, by getting involved with um, with the Taiwan military. So one thing that I would like to see happen would be something like the establishment of a, a Central Pacific Humanitarian Assistance Disaster Relief Force uh, that combines U.S. Marines, the U.S. Navy, with the Taiwan Navy and the Taiwan Marine Corps. Uh, you set up a small headquarters in Taiwan where you plan for train for HADR, so the Humanitarian Assistance Disaster Relief, uh, operations, and you go out, say, to Guam, Saipan, and you conduct exercises. Uh, you might even get the Japanese to join in, uh, conduct exercises. And when tsunamis and earthquakes actually hit in the region, as they do, well, the Americans and the Taiwanese get out and go operate together. Uh, but if you're not willing to break that isolation, uh, that you've really hamstrung the, the Taiwanese and their ability to defend themselves, um, but there's too much of the approach seems to be, well, if they buy long-range missiles, uh, anti-aircraft systems, that uh, the so-called asymmetric uh, approach to defense, um, that, that alone is going to be enough. Uh, you've got to do more. You know, those are important weapons to have and knowing how to use them and employ them properly, uh, that that would be that it's essential. But as I said, if you don't break that isolation, then just pouring in hardware and hoping that the, that the Taiwanese will fight like tigers when the Chinese come, uh, you, that isn't enough. We need to do a lot more of that. And I would like to see, for example, U.S. advisors and trainers in Taiwan in larger numbers, uh, once again, helping the Taiwanese develop these skill, skills, the ability to put on a uh, sort of this asymmetric defense. And it's also a defense that I can reach out to the Taiwan, the Chinese coast. Um, these anti-air-to-ship anti missiles, for example, that they go all the way to the other side of the Taiwan Strait, and they can crack a ship in half. Uh, so you might find that the Chinese run out of Chinese Navy runs out of ships before the Taiwanese run out of anti-ship missiles. And you also make it so that if Taiwan, if any People's Liberation Army forces get ashore, uh, that they have a very hard time. That they wish they didn't come. Uh, so there's a couple. Th so there's a couple things that I really think the Americans need to do. But first, it has to start uh, with breaking Taiwan's 40 plus years of isolation. Um, if you do that, that Taiwan's military and prospects will improve. Uh, and also, you've got to get the Americans actually talking to the Taiwanese about defense, joint defense, and figuring out how to bring this about, and also training for it. Uh, that's an essential thing. As they get those trainers in as well. It would also be good to see uh, the Americans give Taiwan a Taiwan free, a tr free trade agreement, bolster the Taiwanese economy. And that has a political effect and it also manifests itself and improved confidence throughout society. And you'd also find the Taiwan military would uh, improve as well as a result of that. But also the Taiwan government has to uh, treat the military as a valued resource, treat it with some respect. 
Um, I talked about how poorly the Japanese troops are treated. It's even worse in Taiwan, uh, that you've got to, once again, make it a respected profession. And unless you're willing to spend money, that you can say you respect it all you want, but you're not serious. Uh, but that is absolutely essential, is you've got to get the personnel end right. Uh, and the Taiwan military has lost too many good officers in uh, recent years uh, because of this lack of respect, the lack of resourcing. Uh, and also, the Taiwan military would probably do uh, well to actually, let's say, improve some of its uh, concepts of operation, uh, some of which look like they're from 30, 40 years ago. Once again, that goes back to your to the question of uh, this isolation, which has prevented the Taiwan military from developing the way it needs to. Um, but the Americans have done a very good job, you know, I'm being a little mean, but I've seen too many uh, groups of Americans, academics, former officials, uh, think tankers, they cycle through Taiwan and they're, all they do is complain. They say, well, you've got to have asymmetric warfare, be asymmetric, be asymmetric. You've got to spend more money, spend more money. Um, and the Taiwanese are polite, the politest people on earth, so they just smile. But, you know, they're thinking, well, wouldn't you like, let us train with you a little bit? How about that? And successive American administrations have been very grudging about what they've sold Taiwan. One can't overlook that, uh, that they've been, they've really had been tight on the types of equipment they've sold, uh, the, the amounts of it. Uh, and the idea almost seems to be, well, the Americans know best what the Taiwanese need. And, well, I would suggest the Americans do not know best what the Taiwanese need. They're the ones who are going to have to do most of the fighting uh, and the dying. We can help them. We can offer advice. Uh, but we have not done very good in giving Taiwan the, the hardware uh, that, that it needs to date. There's, maybe that's loosening up a bit, but I'm not entirely sure uh, about that. Uh, so those are say just a few um, observations, but say after a, you watch this long enough and you can get kind of disappointed at what the the free world has not done really to support uh, this democracy on Taiwan, which is 24 million uh, free people who've shown that well, people of Chinese origin can indeed live under a, a democracy with a free press and individual liberties. Uh, they do all the things that the Chinese Communist Party says cannot be done. Uh, and the Chinese communist argument seems to be that, well, without a boot on the neck, Chinese people cannot be governed. Uh, Taiwan is proof that that's a lie. And to your point, you know, some would argue that one reason that Ukraine was so successful in defending against Russia, in, at least militarily, it's its high level of integration with the Western military and weapon systems. Um, you know, it, this, and as you mentioned, this isn't really the case in Taiwan, but a parallel issue to that, and as you have also mentioned, is, is that Chinese Communist Party has been uh, infiltrating, arguably successfully, parts of Taiwan's political structure through its United Front work. Do you see a concern from the U.S. perspective with assisting Taiwan in building up its military and offering the know-hows um, in that case uh, you know, with the military technology and resources? Uh, do you see a risk of U.S. military technology being leaked to China if the U.S. does that? Well, that's always a risk. Um, Chinese espionage is it's what they do, and they're often very good at it. So, so that's a risk when you deal with any uh, ally, any partner. Uh, what you do, of course, is ways around it is you, you don't, you know, you're careful what you, you give. You have to uh, 
you know, if there's something that you really don't want to lose, then you either don't give it or you uh, pass it along in a way that you know how it's going to be used and that it's going to be used securely, etc. cetera. Uh, also, the Taiwanese have to get their own counterintelligence uh, operations in order. Uh, that's been a very weak weak point in Taiwan for a long, long time. There haven't been uh, really a sort of a classification scheme that restricts how information is parceled out to people so that they only have uh, see what they have a need to know and that they've been vetted, etc. Uh, and the laws governing espionage have been really weak uh, in Taiwan. The penalties uh, for getting caught are just, we, we look at them and we say, is that all? And, and Taiwanese know that. They know this needs corrected. Uh, so you know, encourage and help the Taiwanese get say get a better handle on classified information. The Japanese have a similar problem, uh, actually, and so do some of our other allies. Uh, but nonetheless, there's plenty of things that you can give uh, that do not pose a, a huge threat, say from technology loss, etc. And a lot of the the issue, of course, is how do you employ these these weapons and these operating concepts? These are not all that secret. Uh, that these are things that you know any competent military is going to figure out, going to know how to to do it, and that's an area where you know we can be very helpful to Taiwan. Is uh, we do have a lot of experience at a lot of the small unit uh, operations uh, that can give a, say an invader like the Taiwanese all the pro- all the trouble they can handle, uh, and that once again that's not a, there's not a technology or an espionage aspect to that. Unless it's somebody, you know, say you've got a spy in the Taiwanese military who's handing over your defense plans, um, but there's plenty you can do despite the concerns which you've mentioned. And you know, I think the biggest restraint actually on what America has done or not done to support Taiwan has been the fear of China complaining. You would often hear, "Well, the Chinese won't like it. China will complain. China will be unhappy." It would be nice for once to see the Chinese actually saying, "Well, the Americans will." won't like it. The Americans will be unhappy. I don't think the Chinese ever uh, think that, but we tend to uh, think it on their behalf uh, for them. And that probably has been the biggest restraint on American uh, and free world support for Taiwan is fear of upsetting uh, China. You know, in some respects, some respects, it's the concern of uh, losing access to the China market. And once again, I mentioned earlier that yesterday, the this uh, addiction to Chinese money uh, that has a plays out on the the political and the military front, got to get a handle on that and do it quickly. And uh, I want to finish up with a question uh, on the national defense strategy, which was said to be released soon. I think it was supposed to be released in early 2022. Um, you know, a little bit before now. Uh, but as we're having co- this conversation, it hasn't been released. Uh, do you expect, uh, with the current administration, a higher um, lean towards countering the China threat, or do you think um, that this will, like, you know, by China will sort of be this a part of a, you know, a spectrum of threats, which means that they're not really prioritized as the very first uh, threat in America to America. Oh, I think China the, will get the attention it deserves and the priority it deserves in the uh, defense strategy whenever it appears. Uh, but as you can see, that I guess real events kind of interfere and in, uh, what's going on in Ukraine with the Russians as an immediate problem and a really serious one. Uh, then you've got Iran. 
so the defense strategy is going to have to look at the entire map. China will get priority, uh, but as a practical matter, America finds itself having to deal with uh, at least two major problems uh, at the same time. And if you throw North Korea into that, uh, which would be operating really as a supporting uh, effort on behalf of whatever the Chinese do, uh, that America's got its work cut out for it. I remember 30 years, whenever that was, that I thought it was the end of history and that the democracy had won. Uh, looks like it uh, hasn't quite come to pass. Uh, so whenever the strategy comes out, I suspect it'll be well-written and it will say the right things, but translating the, the right things into actual military, diplomatic, political, those capabilities, really the ability of the America to sort of employ all the force all the, the power at its disposal, not just the military part, and to deploy it in an effective, coordinated way with its, with its allies. Um, that's always the hard part. You see, writing these strategies is actually really easy. It's surprising it takes so long. Uh, but actually getting stuff done in the real world, well, that's a challenge for everybody. Uh, it, one did uh, you sort of marvel at just how much the Trump administration did get done uh, just in the three years or so that it had to uh, to really operate. And that was the result of having some very good people um, handling uh, Asia Pacific and national security affairs uh, as well. Right. And, and because it kind of really deviated in many sense in its Indo-Pacific strategy from or, you know, referring to the Trump administration from the previous administration. So it had to come up with this new thing that works and that works in a very short amount of time. So, you know, I think that's, to your point, that's, you know, that's where you're referring to, right? Well, yes, but also they had a fundamental shift in psychology um, in D.C. for an administration, and it was that it was going to say no to China, and it was going to promote American interests, and it was going to recognize China as an adversary, if not an enemy, and it was going to push back. Uh, so America finally got up on its hind legs, kind of. Uh, and that was just a fundamental change. There, no previous administration uh, had been willing to say that, had, that China was an adversary or an enemy and, or to admit China's objectives, which were to drive the Americans out of the Asia-Pacific region and indeed to dominate the entire globe. The Trump administration had some people who understood this and they made it policy and they tried to do something about it. Uh, say that's the first time any administration, uh, really since Nixon, uh, has actually done that. And that was really all you needed to do was to recognize that the, the China, People's Republic of China uh, is a threat. And it's amazing that it took that long. And we'll see if this, uh, the Biden administration uh, can carry on with that. You know, one hopes, and as with any administration, one hopes that it succeeds. Uh, and that, that is the key thing. As an American, you know, we all want an administration to succeed in its foreign policy. Uh, we may see things differently, but you know, success is the key thing. And we all support uh, what they do. But if there's something we see that we would do differently, well, we say so. Well, I'm glad we we're able to finish on a high note. Colonel, thanks so much for your time today. Pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity to share a few ideas.